Welcome to the Abandonment Issues Podcast. I am Sarah Beth Basick. And I am Clarissa Tebow. I love the holidays. Me too. But I also hate the holidays. It's hard not being able to hug my mom before a holiday feast. Not gonna lie. Exactly. Those old memories of my dad cooking or my mom bundling me up before braving the cold are bittersweet this time of year. The holidays are a joyful time, but if you've lost someone you love... It can be the hardest time of year. Most people don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about it. Let's unwrap those long-since stored-away packages of grief. Mm, sit in front of a warm fire of feelings. And, and talk, talk about, about some abandonment, abandonment issues. issues. Grab your sides, grab your tissues. We're here to laugh and cry and talk about abandonment issues. I am Sarah Beth Bassick. And I am Clarissa Tebow. And this is Abandonment Issues. All right. Our guest is one I am oh so excited for. Yeah, me too. She is the real deal, but like not as an orphan. Nope, as a therapist. You know, we're always espousing the truth of how much therapy has helped us both on our grief journeys. And we also always talk about being artists and how our grief has shaped that journey. This week, we are melding all of that goodness and talking about how this magic combo can aid us in our grieving process. Yep. And we are doing this by talking to the extra amazing Amy Hahn. Amy is an artist with a BFA from the illustrious School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And a therapist with a dual master's degree in counseling psychology and art therapy from Adler University. She is also a lover and true connoisseur of all things popcorn. We'll have to inquire as to how that love gets incorporated into her therapeutics or into her holiday traditions. Or is it just all about the eating? Listeners need to know! Amy has been a registered art therapist since 2009 and holds a professional membership with the American Art Therapy Association the AATA for the cool kids. With extensive expertise in both inpatient and outpatient psychiatric settings, where she employs verbal and varying styles of art therapy, Amy has worked with folks from ages 12 to 74 in group and as individuals. Her experience includes working with adults and teens struggling with anxiety, depression, and mental illness, including adults living with HIV AIDS and older adults with dementia. She is an empathetic therapist who understands the decision to seek professional help is rarely an easy one. She is committed to the belief that even short-term therapy can be extremely valuable. People lucky enough to work with Amy can expect to be welcomed into a warm, non-judgmental environment where she practices person-centered, strength-based approaches. Her goals are to work together to help us develop strategies to be healthier in upsetting situations and view challenges from different perspectives. Y'all see why we booked her for the holiday season, right? Oof, yes. Especially this holiday season during a global pandemic where we all have some stuff rumbling around in our heads and our hearts. And let's all just admit how much we need different perspectives and approaches about the people and situations we're grieving this year. There is so much to glean from her wisdom, her humor, her invaluable knowledge, the perfect kernels of truth and popping corn for each situation. You know what? Let's not waste any more time. Agreed. Welcome, Amy Han. I don't even know what to say. That was nuts. That was like the sweetest intro ever. <laughs> you guys are the best. 
yay, we've got you. I know, right? I was so like, good. and now we've got her. Now we just get her talking. Yeah. <laughs> Give us your knowledge. Girl. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. Knowledge. <laughs> yep. Just start in. And now starts our session. No, Amy, we are so thankful to have you here. Um, Amy and I have been friends for, oh, gosh, years now, but kind of adjunct family for mm-hmm. our entire lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of amazing to have such an, a wonderful person at your disposal to talk to about these things and to think about. And you've been so helpful to me in my own journey. So let's dive in. So we usually do like a little point by point of how we became an orphan. Your trauma by trauma, shoot by shoot. You got it. My little sports analysis of my orphanage time. Orphan time? Orphanage? I guess I didn't really ever live in an orphanage. I think orphanage is a nice way to use that word. Or or orphan-ish time. (laughs) Yeah, We got options. We got, we got options. options. And that's what feels great. Okay, so I lost my father when I was in my teens, when I was 16. My mom was I when I was at the end of my 20s, when I was 28. And yeah, that's when I became a full-fledged orphan. I feel like Clarissa's are more interesting when she does it. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I was like, I feel like yours had more panache. But that's basically it. Like, how did you get to where you are? Tell us, Amy Han. Yes. Oh, let's see. Um... Well, As in, like, how did you become a therapist? Like a lot of- or, like, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, full disclosure, yeah. again, she is well, not an orphan, guys. Different thing. Yeah. Different thing. A lot of people in the caring fields, I feel like, have either had a loved one experience some sort of mental health unwellness or, um, or they've experienced it themselves. And mine was just kind of twofold. Um, I had, like, a couple rocky years in high school and ended up in an outpatient program where I did art therapy for the first time and was like, what is this? <laughs> nice. This is way better than sitting across from some staunchy therapist talking about my problems, you know? <laughs> yes, I will just draw a picture about it. And then, so I like logged that back in my brain. And then in undergrad, I basically kind of like art therapied myself without really connecting Mm. the dots like my bfa show was an installation piece where i had taken the trauma that i had incurred throughout my life with like bathroom issues from being a preemie and having a third of my small intestine removed and photographed myself in abandoned houses wrapped in toilet paper um with like pigtails and like walking around the streets of chicago as like the like the toilet paper was cascading off of me and And then, like, the final piece was, like, a toilet in the corner with, like, a backlit photo of me proudly standing there, you know, like, I've conquered it. So it just kind of happened naturally that I was drawn to helping myself through art. And then I really care about people. So it was this, and I'm passionate that art can help anyone to feel better. And that being an artist, quote unquote, is a label that anyone can have, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if you live your life creatively and artfully. So there we go. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Like when a path presents itself like that, that it's really putting those things together and moving towards it is amazing. Obviously. See, there's a lot happening in the world right now. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, where do you even where do start? We even start? 
<laughs> I guess maybe we start with the general before we like in- engage in the pandemic addition to this part. You know, the holidays yeah. are a hard yeah. time for everyone. I think Clarissa can attest to that. What she was talking about in the intro earlier was that she had a dream about her father for the first time. And I feel like, Clarissa, do you feel like you start dreaming about them more at the holidays? I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily more around the holidays. Mm. Like, there wasn't anything that triggered it. This dream kind of, like, came out of nowhere. Yeah. And there was nothing that happened that I can, like, perceive of that happened to make me think these thoughts. But it was, like, it was about both my parents, actually, but it was a dream about my father. And I don't know the last time I've dreamt about my father. Like it's been years and years, maybe even when I was like a kid or something. Yeah. And my mother, she was there too, but she was like absent. She was there, but there was nothing home. You know, like I I think in dreams, sometimes you can be omniscient and just like (laughs) in the dream I knew, oh, okay, like she's not there right now. There's nothing there for me to talk to. So I was talking to my dad and we were like in a kitchen and he's like dancing around. And then I asked him, I was like, oh, dad, when did grandma die? Was it 97 or 99? And he was like 99. I was like, oh, right. And then stopped myself because I was what I was going to say was because two years later you died. And Mm. I was like, oh, (laughs) I don't know how I knew it. But like Mm. in the dream, I knew that I shouldn't say it and I didn't know if he knew he was dead so (laughs) oh my gosh what a way to be compassionate (laughs) even when you're in a dream that you're like I don't know if you're aware of this yeah exactly I I mean I didn't know I don't want to give it it away I don't want to hurt your feelings it was a crazy dream I think about them all the time, yeah. but especially during the holidays, there is like mm-hmm. a, I feel like the veil is thinner. Yeah. And again, there's so many memories associated with the time of year. Mm-hmm. Is that a common thing? Or I, that's a stupid question. Of course, it's a common thing. How do you approach it with your clients, with your mm-hmm. patients? Like, how yeah. do you kind of approach this time of year? Is there acknowledgement? Yeah. Like, tell me your thoughts. Basically, everyone has a unique experience around the holidays, whether it's positive or negative. So just figuring out where people are at. And so like, that's the jumping off point is that non-judgmental like so what's this year time of year like for you you know and then you just kind of go from there because the holidays are historically this time where no matter Mm. what you've been doing the whole rest of the year we pause and we come together whether it's your chosen family or your family Mm. family you know your bio family and so it's natural that there's going to be stuff that comes up yeah so are you seeing there is a lot in addition to it because people cannot have that process of stopping and pausing or we've kind of been at this weird half pace all year. Yeah, 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 it's like everyone, you know, not everyone, but a fair amount of people have been cautious for a long time now. And I think um, I I can't speak to everyone else, but I know for myself that as we shift into the holiday gear, it's actually this kind of grieving of like, oh God, things are going to be so different. Mm. And that's like in addition to, you know, like just the general holiday stuff that people experience because it's it really just brings it to the forefront yeah yeah Yeah. that makes sense i mean i'm assuming you had to like transfer your practice or at least some of your practice online i mean i've been seeing my my therapist online this whole time but i'm just like wondering how it's been because we we have this like collective grieving that's happening with covid and you know whether you're grieving someone you lost from covid or you know you're grieving that you can't go to your hot yoga class anymore but i i honestly believe that that's that's grieving too Right. It's true. It's it's legitly true. It's like, oh, my gosh, all the thing, you know, all the things that people the majority of things that people used as coping mechanisms were kind of thrown out the window 
at the start of this and then the month after month grind of it um for sure yeah what what was the first part of that you're talking about therapy because i'm doing my therapy via zoom and i found it really helpful i'm just wondering about your perspective on it yeah it's like a combination for me so i work with um high a high risk population where i live um and so some of them i do do virtual with because they're too high risk some of them i do meet in person at my studio but it's masked i have enough distance between myself and the other person we have a fan going the doors open i do contact tracing and like screening questions before i see them and it's just only a handful of people when i do virtual Mm. i have the added bonus because of the art therapy piece of figuring out what sort of art would work well for people in their homes and then i like Mm. in the art supply fairy and i drop it off at their house oh my gosh that's amazing (laughs) Right. That's great. And whether they use it with me or not, then they just have those supplies. And it's a useful activity because there's certainly a difference in the type of art people will make in my studio versus the type of art they would make at home. As with anyone, you know, like you think about the art you would make in a hospital is going to be very different than the art that you're going to make. You know, so it just all kind of depends on the setting and also what people's capacities are. Yeah. Yeah. So is there something when you're thinking about art in those terms, like you said, it's different in a hospital versus at a home or versus person a person is there something that is relative to the holidays it's like if people are grieving at the holidays or having like I guess I'll speak specifically in terms of grief because that's our podcast right that you suggest as like a thing to do as isn't like the yeah. art to try and make to move through that well let me I guess I should have said this up at the top but um because most people when you say or when I say I'm an art therapist the majority of people don't know what that is oh okay yeah tell us about it I'm a licensed professional counselor but then I also have like you said that master's in art therapy so that means I have a background in art before I came to um, the field and then when you're getting that degree you learn how to use art to help people to heal therapeutically. I like to say it's the most bang for your buck because talk therapy doesn't get at trauma memories, which are nonverbal and on a cellular level in our bodies, whereas you can access that stuff through art making and it can be nonverbal so you don't have to talk about it. Hmm. And then it also lights up your whole brain when you're engaged in anything creative. So like when people have depression or anxiety, the frontal lobe doesn't always fire as like quote unquote a normal brain. But engaging in art or anything creative helps to get the brain like if you were to be connected to neural imaging, it would look like fireworks going off everywhere in your brain. And that goes for any sort of creative expression. And in terms of what people would do for the holidays in in therapy, all we have, like the main tools that we have are perspective, helping someone look at something from a different perspective or story, as you will, like you've told yourself this story your whole life or this narrative about what happened when you're mother passed or your father or whatever and if this it's that thing that keeps you stuck they can help you to look at it from a different perspective and then art therapy also allows you to build confidence in particular the art piece of it so you see yourself improving over time and I think the majority of people that I see it goes for anyone in or out of therapy is like you don't love yourself enough Mm. or you you know give too much to others or not enough you know so it's growing that part of compassion for yourself Mm. and so when you're trying to find art that's going to be helpful to you during the holidays it's going to be something that grounds you so grounding you in your senses is a dbt sort of technique where you're trying to engage your senses so for example if like you find yourself wanting to just numb out a bunch 
rage or getting extra angry or being sad like any of those like spectrums you would want to just find something that's going to bring you back and present into your body could be something like baking mm. because of the smells which is an easy <laughs> easy one for the holidays right oh yeah art making that is simple so sometimes like working with crochet or weaving or just stuff like that because it's soft and it's just repetitive Clarissa just started knitting <laughs> I literally I just started knitting and it's soft that's it's such a good point mm-hmm. yeah and it's repetitive mm-hmm. and, and it's very very soft and it it's really nice and like I um I struggle with a lot of anxiety like in my daily life so it's nice to have projects like this like mm-hmm. you know just yeah. nice to be able to accomplish something and mm-hmm. keep on making more things yep. for people yeah. for family yeah. for friends yeah I used to teach knitting and I actually use it as art therapy as well but partially as mantra work like there's sometimes when I'll know I'll make a piece that's like 108 stitches across which is like a mala yes. like a <laughs> you go dude prayer bead. and then again like I say a mantra for every stitch I do that's amazing it's starting to incorporate those different ways so then when I come mm-hmm. to it even when I'm not doing the mantra work I feel that like you said it brings me down it's just it's suddenly body like, memory yeah yep Yep. So the other thing is awareness. So therapy provides you awareness of the thing that is or things that you struggle with, because if you can't name it, it's hard to like work on it. Mm. And then what you're describing with trying a new thing is our brains are repetition machines. So whatever we do often and with regularity, it gets really good at. So like you could be an Olympic level warrior at this point, you know, like we can hand you a medal, (laughs) you know, but ultimately what you're trying to do is short circuit that anxiety piece by doing something, reaching for the healthy coping mechanism, right? Super interesting. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's super interesting hearing like there are so many things that are artistic, you know, like baking Mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily think of as artistic per se, you know? Oh yeah. Well, it's because artists have co-opted the word, right? Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to call yourself an artist. Like, I'm an artist, and I make the least amount of art of any artist that I know, because a lot of what I do is facilitating and supporting other people to make art. And I've been a collaborative artist, too. So, like, working with others, and regardless of the medium, like, I'm master at none, right? Because I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And then the other pieces with my art, there's process-oriented art. So, like, I'm not as attached to the product. I like the mm-hmm. what happens along the way. So that's part of yeah. like that's that kind of like therapist lent itself nicely to therapy because it's like that's what art does is it showcases all that. And then the art piece that you have, the thing that you made, that you knitted, that has the remembrance of what happened during that and the lessons mm-hmm. that you learned. So that also takes you back, you know, and it can be a positive thing. And if it's a negative thing, like a piece of art that I've had, like I've had people make stuff where they had to destroy it because they were like, this is what I need for this. Like I need, you know, it's like that um, I can't punch this person's lights out, but I can take this ball of clay and chuck it at a wall while I'm thinking about the person that I want to punch their lights out. And that acts as the vehicle for healthy expression. You know, and that's so interesting and important. Something that's pervasive throughout. I think so. That's interesting and important. (laughs) Like something that's pervasive through a lot of art is that it's not necessarily about the product whereas in this society in america in a capitalist society everything is about Mm -hmm. the product yeah it's about the end result and the beautiful thing about art and the beautiful thing about what you're saying about therapy through art and therapy in general is that it's about the journey 100 percent 
not about the product and, and maybe the product will be good or okay, but the focus is on the journey, which I think is beautiful. Yeah. And I used to tell yeah. people, you're not doing art therapy because that's what I got the master's in, but you're using art as healing. Oh, I love that so much. Like I love, so at the holidays specifically, I feel like we, so many of us, again, I, I never want to say all of us because yeah. Everyone's having a unique experience, but many people have a recipe they made with their family or they did. And that's such an amazing thing that, again, like in that same way, we've kind of been therapizing ourselves and not realizing it. Right. That like we knew that it was the thing that makes us feel good because it's like, oh, I used to make this with someone or (laughs) like when my mom passed and we were cleaning out the house, a lot of the things that I kept were dishes. So like. I have my grandparents' old La Crusette, and it's split up between the family. Yeah. But every time I make something in those dishes, yeah. I just feel my family with me. Yep. Well, what you're talking about is, and you talked about it in that podcast that you guys sent me mm. that I love listening to, was grief. So grief, like there's those the stages of grief. But in, I'm doing air quotes. The stages of grief, right? <laughs> because it's denial, anger. <laughs> bargaining depression access acceptance but it's this misnomer because it's it's like if you call it a stage that means that you check it off the list after you go through it yes. but what the reality is is you have everything in our life is grief work the grief of not having the hot yoga the grief of being this age at the holidays this time of year so it's always mm. like any loss that we have you can chalk up to grief work and so it's just important in the holidays to acknowledge that like that there is a lot of grief even more so than usual right yeah and i think that's like that's our goal to make grief and grief work more normal you know like like you said it's <laughs> it's such a huge part of our lives even for things that people might consider mundane yep. you know like like i don't know I don't even know exactly what to categorize as a mundane thing, but I think that a lot of people are grieving. Yep. Yeah, but we <laughs> yeah. and we don't talk and we don't talk about it. <laughs> Specifically what you said Sarah with is what you're talking about is ritual. Mm. Ritual on a small and large scale, like honoring like the pour out, right? You know, at the time, <laughs> you know, on the anniversaries of things like the little things all we have at the end of the day when people aren't here is how to keep their memories alive. And that's probably why that veil feels um, thinner, because there's all those like memories, sensory memories tied to their presence that makes them feel closer. And all of those things are ways to remember them and keep their memories fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And honor them. You saying that is making me so emotional because um, I know personally because my, my parents have been gone for so long, those memories are few and far between. So I guess right. seeing my yeah. dad in my dreams, but it's like there's missed time. I right. I know there should be more memories than there are. So I'm feeling grief for not even having oh, those okay. kinds of rituals or those kinds of things. Because like both both oh. my parents passed by the time I was 12. So even yeah. having all that mm-hmm. happen at age, like I have so many memories that are just blocked that I don't remember yet, and I'm oh. and I'm working on it, but. I don't have a ton of memories during my, you know, like my my asshole middle yep. school years. Yep. Thankfully, I I don't know how much of a little shit I was, but it's it's so much in um Oh god. Oh. Be kind to <laughs> yeah. yourself. Be kind. But yes. it's it's yes. so much in hearing about the memories make me realize that a lot of times I'm yearning for things I don't have. You know, and Sarah and I were talking about it. Like, do I even know my father's voice? Do I even know what it sounds like? Or 
or what my mother's voice sounds like. Like, do I know really yeah. know what they look mm. like outside of a photo or the one video I have? And yeah. for me, the answer is no. You know, I was so young and I and I yeah, don't so really remember. But there, therein lies the perspective shift because you can have this relationship with them even though they're gone where you can keep their memories alive or you can keep them alive without having to have specific memories by the sheer act that you are acknowledging that you miss them and you love them and you're holding them in your heart. And this is something I want to do during the holidays because we didn't do it when you guys were alive. But now that I'm mm. an adult and I recognize mm. how special you were, I want to make this specific Christmas cookie because I yeah. think you would really have loved it. And then you get to cry your eyes out when you make it. <laughs> yeah. And then you have this new memory with True. them, right? And the, mm-hmm. and the nuts thing about, like, I always told myself, oh, I have a bad memory. I remember very little of my childhood. And then I had kids and I was like, wait a minute, my memory doesn't suck. My memory is tied to sensory stuff. Mm. The way that my kid would say something or do something or just like some idiosyncrasy would unlock this like little like glimmer in the back of my brain. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, so wow. they are there. They're just That's souping so around, you know? I mean, I guess your yeah. your brain's also protecting yourself. Like I'm sure, you know, you hear your kid say something a certain way and it unlocks a memory, but I wonder why that memory wasn't active, you know, in the first place. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Well, no, it what it was there, but it was tied to sensory mm. stuff. It's not verbal. That's not the way that my brain is like a really good memory reminder. That's why I always thought I was stupid in school was because I was like, "Oh, I can't remember and recall facts like my friends and stuff but it was like no when it was like something like my creative thinking was like off the charts or not off the Mm. chart but you know like that's where I would always be able to access stuff and think outside the box so it was just like this different type of just way to look at it yeah that's so fascinating because Clarissa you were also saying the other day that because you were so young you don't have like the way that I talk about having dishes from my parents or things like that like you didn't get to keep any of the stuff yeah no because um I was living with my my uncle and my aunt and my cousins. I mean, you know, what's a 12-year-old going to do with a crock pot? <laughs> you know, I mean, those things were just yeah. not yeah. practical. And, yeah. even, and even my parents' clothes, like I have a yeah. sweater that was my mother's and um, a t-shirt that was my father's and, oh. you know... That's it. Two really special <laughs> yeah. things, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, yeah. because they are so rare. Well, yeah. the t-shirt that I have had my <laughs> my father had my face on it. That's so yes, special. So That's awesome. It was a little selfish. Yeah. You can be kind to yourself about that. It's yeah, I was going to say, if, yeah, you're not allowed to be selfish when you lose your parents at 12. You, no, I know. I need to hit myself selfish. with a ruler, you know? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, right? I was like, there's the perspective shift. Stop right. thinking those I things know. were selfish. They How were... dare you? Guys, it's a <laughs> joke, you guys. Exactly. It's a joke. But yeah, it's it's interesting because it's it's one of those things where I think if I had been an adult when they had passed, I would have held on to, you know, different things. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. for me, I just I just kept items, mainly the items that I do have are the items that were given to me. So, you know, they yeah. were from them. And mm-hmm. they and they weren't thinking about it. And that's the other reason your podcast is amazing, because having worked with older people and being at the bedside of my grandma that passed away, like we don't fucking talk about Oh, yeah, can I curse. say that? We don't yes. talk we don't talk about death. We don't talk about death in America. And I like when I listen to your podcast, I was like, oh, the title of it should be 
are you scared of some of a loved one dying? Listen to this, you know, like, you know, or, you know, just like it just some, made, yeah, the, it made the website too long. So we couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it, yes, it is abandonment, but really no one does this death works talk. And it's just like with therapy, when you know about it, like it does help. Like, yeah. I feel like because I've had these conversations about like at my grandma's bedside and like with my parents about their wills and their wishes and stuff like that, like that it really will, mm. it won't make it any easier, but it will certainly be less of yeah, a shock. I, I think it'll yes. also help. I think when I was younger, when it first happened, it would have been helpful to know what was quote unquote okay, you know, like what is an okay way to grieve? And we say that it's anything, but even just hearing that would have like rocked my world. Oh, Oh, I can cry all day. (laughs) Yeah. I just start throwing up like, blah. (laughs) Like, wait. What? (laughs) What? I can grieve? It just becomes like the exorcist suddenly. You're like, what happened? It's like every bodily function. I finally understand. Permission given. Not in the closet, Clarissa. Not not where you're. Listen, I'm gonna find it when I find it. It's not your closet. They'd be very upset. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we cry. Yeah. Well, that's it. And you can do both. Yes. Especially here. I'm like. At the same time. Listen, yes. I I have a very please. good sense of humor because I have had trauma. You know what I mean? Yes, please. The only time I have hysterically laughed and cried at the same time was when I had surgery and they gave me morphine. And I yes. learned very quickly that I can never have morphine. It was wonderful. Like, I can never have it. I, I still fantasize about it to this day. <laughs> So I was sitting with my roommate at the time and I must have scared the shit out of her because I was sobbing and hysterically laughing at the same time. I said, it's so funny. It's so horrible. (laughs) And I could see her face like she was she was like so not sure which emotion to go with. But it also is like a perfect example of how people do actually seem to react to you when you talk about grief. And especially if you do cry about it or laugh about it. Oh, so uncomfortable. Like, they still, yeah, their faces. So instantly you're like, oh, God, now I just have to worry about making you comfortable again yeah. because clearly I freaked you out. Like, yeah. But it's also my reality, so I should not be able to just discuss who I am and how I am and, like, the shit that rumbles around in my head. It's complicated. I mean, it's not clean. Yeah, it's so weird. It's very, very messy. <laughs> I mean, it can be laughing about a memory and then oh, all yeah. of a sudden just start yeah. Oh, yeah. sobbing. Like, we've all, and we all do have these moments of like just giggling at a funeral like there's always someone usually me but i think Funerals it's are funny. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean they can be if you want them to be it's it's your whole family coming together for the family member that's missing sometimes it's just laying in a box at yeah. the front of the room and you're like this is weird and also good but i find it fascinating like when you were talking about the brain though too amy that if you think of how that trauma lights up and where it does, like, again, thinking a lot about in my own biology degree, like, I think a lot about how closely, like, sadness and laughter, like, humor, like, I it's was just all right say, there. I didn't, I couldn't speak of it exactly, but I was like, oh, I know mm. that I know that they are both really close to each other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're like right around each other. But I also find it fascinating. Like, I didn't know that in terms of how art will, if there's anxiety or depression or things like that, art will light that part up as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I wonder if that's why, again, everybody has something that they've dealt with in their life. There's no person who gets away without something. Mm 
But so many artists have faced some pretty big trauma. Oh, yeah. And again, that it's just like, I don't know, like, I just love that you said even about art therapizing yourself that it's like, that's the thing that we're doing, right? Like, even it's one of the reasons I actually didn't get a degree in theater or in acting because I was like, what if this thing that saved me that is like when my dad passed, like, this is my space that I can just like go feel all the things Mm -hmm. suddenly becomes work and it doesn't work the same way anymore. What if it stops healing me? But also, good luck being back home and telling anyone that I don't have a degree in theater what? or an, an acting degree. Yeah. They're just like, yeah. And because you used to be in show choir and stuff. I'm like, I certainly was not. But thank you for thinking that. Like, I've had family friends be like, no, let me and like go look in old yearbooks. And I'm like, y'all, I, I know what I was doing. Like, I was... <laughs> I didn't have time for that. Yeah, but all your family was like, well, you should have been. Well, in my memories, it sounds really nice. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's almost as good as when they look at me and they're like, you should do hair commercials. I'm like, great. I'll call the hair commercial people and hire myself. But it's like my grandma, my grandma, who I love to death. She's not my biological grandma. She's my uncle, my marriage's mother. chosen grandma. Yes, yes. But she's my grandma and I love her to death. But I remember none of my family is really in the arts. And she said, you know what you should do? Go talk to Jennifer Hudson. She'll help you. I was like, Grandma, yeah, I, I, I want that too. So, Jennifer Hudson, if you are listening to the podcast. My grandma told um, me to talk to you, yeah, so where you at? We, we would love to have you as a guest. We would love to chat mm-hmm. with you. We would love Reach for out. you to dispel yeah. any wisdom you have oh, for it, I Clarissa. Mean, like, abandonment <laughs> issues, she would throw all of us to shame. We would all just sit here with eyes wide open and like yeah. mouth jaws dropped and just been like, yeah. I have, I don't even none of us can handle yeah. this amazingness. Oh yeah. But it is like amazing that, because people in all walks of life have had trauma, but it, it is something about, I've never heard it expressed fully about art therapy that it's like, again, because it's the tactileness mm-hmm. of things. That it's, it's non-verbal. Like, that's the way to memories and like, yeah, it's And it's held in your body. The other thing is the cat, like the explanation of what trauma is because we hear the t word all the time right but trauma is mm-hmm. anything that happened to you <laughs> like all your brain stem knows is oh my gosh i'm activated i'm pumping things okay mm. so whether it was thoughts that evoked that like really strong emotions or it was physical things that happened that is logged and can be held on to in your body for a long time an example would be we got in a really bad car accident when i was 15 on the way home from wisconsin like the one time we drove to a Wisconsin Mm -hmm. for the holidays and um my brother and sister were it was like one of those vans and the three of us were laying in the back and then the road turned to black ice and everyone's cars started going back and forth and ours just like tipped over and hit one of those mile markers um and it shredded the back tire so we were half on and off of the um side of the road my My parents were you know like in the front like we're all fine but we were just like what the hell my brother and sister get in the bucket seats for the van and the back seat i can't be in because it's been crushed um or it's like just like mangled and my mom is watching as a semi like one of those double semis starts like fishtailing i was like in the back of the car just like crawling around like oh hey look like in my little shock and all i had when we got hit like sideswiped was holding on to the two um bucket seats okay so that was like super crazy so fast forward to today or like last year i bought a car that had a third row because I was like, God, I need to carry these kids and, like, be able to bring other kids and haul shit, you know, like, whatever. I'm a mom. 
And I kept on, like, after I got the car, I'd get in it and just have this, like, sense of, like, impending doom. Like, and I was like, this isn't a great feeling after you you buy your dream car. Like, is this, like, I'm not psychic, but maybe I am. Like, is this, I'm going to, am I going to get in an accident in this? And my buddy, who's like this yeah. uber trauma therapist queen um, named Jennifer Krakow that works in Chicago, I called her and um, she does somatic trauma therapy stuff. And oh, that's wow. like the new forefront of trauma, right? And so when I said the last time I was in cars with bucket seats was, and I connected it back to that. And I could literally feel the awareness in my body. And I just started bawling as in the middle of Target. Oh, <laughs> not Target. And, but it, pr- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no one cared like a you super know, of course, target a super target because no. that's you know that's what's here um but at any rate like i processed it pretty quickly because i think a therapist i'd do that and it went away and then mm. that feeling of dread went away wow. because i acknowledged it and i worked through it by having like the cathartic release and then i had a message that i told myself when i got in my car that she's like helped me work through and it, it's like simple it's like basically you say things to your until you feel a shift of relief in your body and then that's the phrase that you use and you continue to tell yourself that when you have that sensation arise in your body again that's tied to whatever that thing was can you give an example like what did you like how, what did you say to yourself so I said yeah. in terms of my that? my car will keep me safe and you know it was like okay. as simple as that and and this is not you know this is nice. not the car that you were hurt in you know as as you say this yeah. it sounds and i, I, like I don't that. mean that's this amazing. in any kind of way like yeah, that's simple. I, you know, I can do that. But in reality, I don't, I don't think, I think most people take that trauma and, you know, squash it, right? box it away, right. ignore it, don't deal with it. Stuff it. Well, that's what I did. I stuffed it that whole time and never, yeah. and never realized how it impacted me. Yeah. But yeah. once, once you acknowledged yeah. it, you were finally <laughs> like able to breathe. All the movies breathe. with ghosts where they're like, <laughs> oh, now I can move on. I don't have to be tied to this world. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. If only we paid attention during Haunted Mansion in 2003 or whatever. All ghosts are just allegories for trauma. Wow, heavy. That's what a ghost story really is. Also, I just wanted to plug this, even though we don't plug anything. (laughs) There's there's this podcast called Spooked by Snap Judgment. Yes, it's all about ghosts. And let me tell you what, I love that podcast. Now, I have a whole nother realm of meaning to all those ghost stories. Lore, um, Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, I could send you a list. I love scary story stuff too. Please do. I feel like you two are going to be friends after this too, so I'm, I'm not worried. Like you'll have a podcast exchange going on. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing though. Like, like you said, those little things of just acknowledging them. So for me, when I was a kid, I was at a preschool that was hit by lightning Holy and cow. started what? on fire, and we had to run. And we all actually ended up running to my dad's dental <laughs> office. Like that's where we all sought refuge because it was down the block. We lived in a small town, girl. You know it. Small town, yeah, right? So good. And my mom used to love watching thunderstorms and. Not I just was like, I hated the lightning, but I didn't know why. And she finally, I finally asked her and she was like, honey, this is what happened. And same thing. The minute (laughs) she told me, I was like, oh, I'm not afraid anymore because I know where that comes from now. And I was so little at the time still, but I was like, oh no, because again, since there was a reason, it seemed not less scary, Mm -hmm. but it did. It seemed like, okay, that is not the situation. Mm -hmm. Like you can remember, that's not the situation I'm Mm -hmm. in now. And even if it's an irrational fear, when you struggle with obsessive compulsive, it's Mm -hmm. still something where a message like some message that you tell yourself 
that helps shift you, redirect you, do whatever, you know, that's the thing that you need to, you know, because the brain is a repetition machine. You just keep reaching for that, reaching for that. And you're taking the dusty road that you don't use very much of that new healthy coping mechanism and you're making it wider every time and turning it into a super highway by repetition of using it. And then you're going to shrink the anxiety road that's like a 10 lane highway at this point because you're like, you have no power over me. I'm not engaging in that anymore. Look at me crocheting over here. I make hats now. (laughs) We're opening doors. You said it. Oh my gosh, there's the labyrinth also an allegory? Everything. Oh, guys, we are just, everything is an allegory. (laughs) Everything's an example. Oh, it's just all so fascinating. And I think, do you think that's what people are trying to get at when, because sometimes when you've lost someone, there's these typical phrases that Mm. people say. And again, always with good intention. But the idea of like, they're in a better place now, or like, they're not in pain anymore. That, like, somehow they're in a better place now doesn't serve me well but the idea of like they're not hurting Mm. does actually help that's your like little trauma message right yeah that's why you need to say that instead and that's why semantics is really important we have definitions in dictionaries but we also have the lived definition of those words and phrases and Mm. they say in cognitive behavior what's your hot spot like what did you have an emotional reaction to that was like kind of quicker than it should be or like Mm. overly exaggerated to what it should be and that should tell you that there's something there that you need to untangle and for you it would be that black people being shot by police yeah like in that it's so palpable that i know exactly what you're talking about so there's this yeah there's this movie on netflix um about protesters in the 70s like I can't remember the name of it, but someone will. My boyfriend's parents were watching it. Mm. And so um, I was watching part of a scene where there were these protesters that were being like brutally beat by police. And I automatically started panicking and sobbing. So it brought me right back to when all the stuff happened with George Floyd. And I think it was, you know, it was just, it was seeing the same things, you know, mm-hmm. the injustices mm-hmm. injustices that were mm-hmm. happening then are still happening now. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, that's, that's a trauma that I haven't mm-hmm. fully unpacked yet, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. because it's still here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still so fresh. But the other thing is to be kind to yourself because the brain does this. It's a survival mode. So when you talk about stuffing it, stuffing it is actually something that we do as a survival mechanism. Mm. Like if something crazy is happening, if you're running from lightning, you can't process what you're doing. And if there's like a bunch of stuff that happens too, you're going to stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. And your brain is going to like hold on to it till the day when it's like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's like got her shit together. She's like in, she's got some like supportive people around her. She's not always in like crisis mode. I'm going to like open the lid on this and she's going to be great one day. And the next, she's just going to go through hell for the next however long because I'm going to make her process this now yeah yeah well and it it seems to me that that's unfortunately still happening too right so we have to acknowledge that like while people might be watching historic footage it's not a thing that has been right in no stretch in no stretch like it's worse than ever and that's the (laughs) hardest part it was it was seeing that you know it was based off of a time in the 70s and i'm like no i just saw that on the news yeah today today. wow we really okay and 
that that fear and panic overtook me too quickly because this is this is so far from over. Yeah. It's so far from over. Grief work. Mm. Grief work. Okay, let's see. You would be in the phase of <laughs> anger. Oh. <laughs> yeah, be angry. Possibly be depression. You're allowed to be Most angry. likely both at the same time. Yeah, and it didn't help. Mm. This is all hitting the fan during COVID. Yeah. We're in this like pressure cooker of emotion. So it makes it, <laughs> makes it really hard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, then that goes back to the holidays too, Definitely. where you have to actually be more kind to yourself and self-care is this buzzword that we use but most people don't know what it means a lot of generations it just skips right over it because they were built on hard work and just like pushing through pushing through so like what the heck is self-care but self-care is everything from big to little it's like the four o'clock pumpkin spice latte that might make myself and sit on the couch and everyone knows don't talk to me until it's done you know or whatever <laughs> you know it's like all of anything that can give you little bits of restoration is what you give yourself permission to do as much as you need to you know yeah and I think especially especially during the holidays because we are more in contact with family too and these things like you start to I at least for me I can only speak for me personally I guess that there's times when I'm like oh you're living you've either not processed your trauma or you're living it differently than me and so my doing self-care somehow Mm makes you want to say a comment that makes it feel like I'm being indulgent or Mm -hmm. I'm being lazy or I'm being whatever even if you don't explicitly say that if it's just that like you're going off to do something and I'm like no I I literally Mm -hmm. need this stillness for myself or I will not be okay it's not just like oh I just wanted a latte you're like no it's part of my mental health care do you want me to be nice to my kids then let me have this how do you want this day to go because let me tell you (laughs) there's a lot of daylight yeah I mean and people are still gonna see each other like there are people that are still gonna do that so I was like I was trying to hunt and I couldn't find it but there was a like a study or something a while back years ago that was I listened you know like it was definitely in a podcast hidden brain somewhere about how long you spend with your family before you revert back to how they still see you frozen in time and it's and it's only a couple hours Oh, it's no. like so don't go don't go and stay wow. if it's too hard go and like stay at a hotel sleep in your car or like have mm. an exit strategy yeah, like the best i could find was a 2015 article in bustle for how to handle the holidays with toxic people or toxic family or something and i mean it seems like really obvious things but it's like you do need to go in with an action plan more than anything especially now because things are real weird yeah and i think that happens even in terms of grief like i have to have an out plan in my brain for certain people I speak with. I won't even specify where in my life, but that it is like Mm. how they want to talk to me about my grief. Mm, Good point. And it's like, oh, actually like that, that doesn't actually help me. Right. Like, Use your words. Yeah. Use your words. Yeah, Sarah. and that's it. And it's something that I had to put up boundaries for. But people notoriously do not prefer boundaries mm-hmm. because mm. it like it highlights how they haven't done their own work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's hard. And it, again, like that isn't to be like I'm better than you. I'm doing the work. No. Nope. And again, it's like right. I can't actually take that on for you. I can't do anything nope. for you. Yep. But it's hard. So I think that that out plan has right. to be both a physical and a mental one. Totally. That it's like you know what I'm just gonna go like watch TV with the kids. Yep. I'm just going to go watch a Christmas yeah. movie and be okay with that. And mm-hmm. allowing yourself to take the time because I think it's been mm-hmm. different because we have, well, we don't have more time. We have the same amount of time, but <laughs> it feels like we have more time because we're, yeah, yeah you know. And completely yeah. shrunken it down. But even within you know? it, you know, if you're staying at home, yeah. your day can 
you know, you have to find some kind of schedule. And even if your day is hectic at home now, give mm-hmm. yourself the time to step back because yeah. it'll help make all those things you've been doing that much more easier and more effective. I found that. If, if that's what you need. I mean, I think like I don't like when people are like, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. It's like you're a combo. Yeah. And then like the older I get, I'm like, I'm definitely leaning into my introvert side. Yeah. <laughs> And so some people are going to be charged by seeing others and some people are going to need their own space. So it's really just like back to that awareness of like what you need, like what fills your tanks. I think it's been interesting too to see this year. I know I myself have been leaning into it of this year's been hard for everyone and really trying to front load some joy and like in the (laughs) ways that we can find it that I find I know so many people who have already put up a Christmas tree. Yes, us too. Or like already decorated it. You have. Yes. And we've never done it this early. It's like art by healing, right? That it's like, no, this is a thing that's like, actually, it it shifts my own spirit. (laughs) Like, it's not just a like, fuck it. (laughs) It's like. Yeah. And I'll take that tree down whenever I'm tired of it. Oh, my God. My mom once left it up till Easter and she switched it. She like decorated it with little eggs. And we were like, hey, she's like, I just love the light it brings to the room. And again, like thinking about it now. She did it. And like, my mom never do that, you know, like or a lot of people that. Oh, I'm going to have a conversation with her. Just kidding. (laughs) You know, well, you know, you make the thing, you do it, you put it away. Yeah. You know, these are the things that we do. But I love that she's like, no, I'm going to leave it up and decorate it. Yep, it became a Valentine's Day tree and then an Easter tree. Oh my gosh. She was just like, look, this is what we're doing. This is, uh... She's my people. Your mom. Yes. I would have loved your mom. Oh my God. Y'all would have been great mischief together. Because I'm that person that, you know, Christmas in July? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that's for me. (laughs) That is for me. (laughs) They literally found my files in the system and decided that Clarissa needs some Christmas in July and I'm all about it. (laughs) Christmas is here. And I'm in it. It can be like a million degrees outside and I'm like, it's cold. It's yeah. chilly. You're like, I am, I am the Buddhist in July who wants to celebrate Christmas. Yes. Did you know that we measure happiness? The index is Christmas cheer. So like when they analyze Twitter, I was just listening to a podcast about this where like they have been analyzing all the different words and stuff used on Twitter for happiness mm-hmm. indicator. And it's the highest is Christmas. <laughs> And so it's like measured by all that. <laughs> so this guy was talking about, he's like, oh, we lost at least um, two Christmases oh since George Floyd died. It's like, the, it just keeps going lower and lower and lower with people's happiness. Oh my God. It's all fascinating. The way our brains work and yes. again, just all of it. Amy, we could talk to you for hours, <laughs> but it has been an hour. It is. So we should. Could you just Yeah, not? we're going to do yeah. our little game. But also, can we just agree that sometime you'll come back and visit? Whatever you here. want. This, like, yes! this is a dream come true for me. Oh, oh my god you're amazing so i told you we have this little game it's called could you just not our little rant section of things you maybe just want to like mm-hmm. get yes. off your chest so um in a verbal way mm-hmm. yeah see look what i learned <laughs> i'm learning um <laughs> so we'll do our little examples clarissa do you have one that you want to start with or do you want me to go <laughs> and then she puts you on the spot too and you're like yeah, no, it's you hard. go first. You go first. I mean, I'll, I'll go first if you want me to. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. I was like, there's no pressure. genuinely no pressure. zero pressure. Could you just not? Okay. Could, you, Could just you just not? not judge me for buying Christmas presents in August? Listen, I like to be prepared. Don't look at me strangely when I go. Well, well, I'm not. I'm not going to the store. But when I'm purchasing things for my family and my friends. Yes. Santa works all year round. So do Mm -hmm. I. All right. I got to figure my stuff out. (laughs) Thank you. 
Yes. Yes. Well done. Yes. Well done, you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my could you just not. Could you just not get tipsy at the holidays and tell me how much you miss my people? Mm. Like I'm supposed to have an answer to tell you how to fix that. Because boo-boo. Me too. Yeah. Okay. I'm there. I'm in it. Uh, and my secondary to that would, could you just not tell me things I was never supposed to know? Mm. Just because yeah. my parents aren't around. Ugh. Um, I love you all, but I can't, I can't, he- I can't feel it because I just get defensive for those people yeah. that are gone. So could you just not have that expectation of me? <laughs> Don't expect no, I'm just going to say that. Could you just not have expectation of me? <laughs> my full stop could you just not? I feel like you could probably put a really nice succinct list on a sweater a hood- with right a now. hoodie because then you can go into it when you you just yep. draw the strings when someone's ignoring and you just point to the list oh I feel yes. like one of my friends one year had a sweater that or sweatshirt that she had put on front of it she's like single and don't want to oh, talk yes. about it oh yes beautiful single by choice or something yeah. Yep, exactly. Like single and not yeah. up for discussion. Oh, hi, you're so pretty. You know, aren't you? You know, I'm like, yeah. no shit. You'd be such a great catch. Yeah. I know. Uh-huh. And I've been tried to bed and caught before and I didn't want to. So beep, beep. Yeah. just relax. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. These are my choices. <laughs> what you got for well, us? I didn't Amy? think of the holiday component, but I will say that I oh, that's right. am infinitely blood curlingly like annoyed when people like are offended, honestly, when people say things happen for a reason. Mm. Oh, could you just not say things happen for yeah. a reason? It's so, <sighs> so <Yes>. terrible. <laughs> God, I'm pretty sure God didn't want to give... <laughs> You cancer, have your parents die. Like, I'm pretty sure God wasn't sitting there with the puppet strings. Like, who am I going to kill today? Yeah. Yeah, right. Just like, that's not how that goes. Okay. Okay. That's. I think, yeah, I think that's a great, could you just not, could you just not. It's interesting. Like, is it just people's need to make us feel okay or to not have to deal? Yeah. Is that. Well, I feel like I say things happen for a reason when things are good. Oh, no, you said it. You do say no, it. No, but when things oh, shoot, I should have asked for. When things are good, okay. you know, like no. like if I get something good, I yeah. say, "Oh, yeah. things happen for a reason." Yeah. Well, to be fair, that karma works. is a that thing works. for you. That's different. I feel like yeah, that's that fine. Does work. That's fine. It's only when when tragedy yeah. strikes and people try and like push it away or like resolve it by like yes. that little phrase, which is it terrible. is like it kind of makes me want to be like, "Okay, could you tell me what that reason is?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh wait. <laughs> crickets especially when someone's dying or something is happening yeah, exactly like, this yeah. was supposed to happen <laughs> yeah, I know, really I, explain to me why you think this is gonna make me feel better what horrible reason why are you okay with it exactly. because i wasn't potty trained to what age is that why <laughs> there you go you're like that's my thing oh man it has been such a treat to have you mm-hmm. amy yes. so enlightening so wonderful clarissa i didn't mean to speak over no you. i was just saying um you were talking about it i agree <laughs> entirely i love it now amy can people reach out to work with you online or is it only within the state of wisconsin or how so i have a private practice in eau claire wisconsin and i just do referrals through a program called comprehensive community services if you're on ssi disability badger care and you're connected through this program then that's where i get my referrals from yeah that's brilliant yeah yeah but there's there's a couple other art therapists in town too if you just typed in like wix 
and then comma my name Amy Han it would come up and then you can just shoot me an email and say like help me like find an art therapist because I've I've you know I I feel like I I like connecting people with art therapists yeah so. oh my gosh you're and finding the right yeah. therapist it's all about finding the right fit so. Cool. And we will try to put that, uh, put your, in your website in the yeah. description. Sure. As always, you can reach out to us too if you want to know anything at abandonmentissuespod at gmail.com or on Insta. Yes. Yep. You can find us on Insta or Twitter. Just, you know. Yeah. Cause this is about see. building community yeah. and getting know. people yes. sorted how they need to move forward and all this. So yep. you can find me, obviously, at all the abandonment issues things or Sarah Bassick on Insta and Twitter. So give me a shout. And Clarissa, how can we find yeah, so you? So you can find me at abandonment issues pod um, uh, Instagram or at Clarissa on Instagram. Cause yes, I am that bougie. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or on, <laughs> yeah. And Bet on you Twitter, you can find me at Clarissa T. So at Clarissa and then the first letter of my last name. Oh, yeah. On Twitter, it's Abandonment Pod because right. you can only have 15 characters. They're picky. They are real. Uh, they mean it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's all coming together. <laughs> Send us a message. Tell us your holiday stories. Tell us if you need us. Tell us what you're looking for. And, um, yeah, let's let's yeah. help each other and heal together through uh, words and art. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Yep. Thank you so much, yes, Amy. thank you. Bye. Thank you. Have a great one, y'all. Bye. Bye. Abandonment Issues is an original podcast from the brain of Sarah Beth Bassick. It is created and produced by Clarissa Tebow and Sarah Beth Bassick. Sound design by Sarah Beth Bassick. Our incredible theme music is by the brilliant Daniel Hart. We're here to laugh and cry.